0: Well, good morning to each one, and greetings in Jesus' name. Today, for a message, I want to continue with the subject of Christian accountability. I appreciated the Sunday School lesson. You know, you don't have to read very far into the Bible, and you start reading about accountability. God said to Adam, where art thou? And it's interesting if you read the last few chapters of the Bible, you also read of accountability. People being held accountable for their actions. In my first message on this subject, we concluded with 1 Corinthians 5, 10 and 11 where it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of christ that everyone may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done whether good or bad knowing therefore the terror of the lord we persuade men but we are well known to god and i also trust are well known in your conscience in that first message we said the foundation for Christian accountability is we are first accountable to God. And it's on this foundation on which we persuade men. This is the foundation on which we practice accountability among ourselves. Today we will be looking at our personal need of accountability. And then, Lord willing, sometime in the future, we will look at practical aspects of being accountable one to another. So we may wonder why accountability? Do I really need accountability? Do others really need me to hold them accountable? Is it being accountable to God enough? Is accountability, is accountability just a crutch? That we shouldn't need. What about verses like 2 Peter 1 verse three? "His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue." Or the words of Jesus to his disciples in John 16:13, "Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come. He will guide you into all truth. With verses like these and many others like them, why do we need to be accountable one to another? If I found myself washed up on an island in the middle of the ocean where not another single human was to be found, or if I found myself living in a family or community where no one served God but myself? Could I make it spiritually without other Christians to hold me accountable? These are some questions we may think about when we think about the need of personal accountability. Why do we say that we need accountability? When we say, first of all, what do we mean when we use the word accountability? When we say accountability, we're not talking about force. We're not talking about cornering someone with a stick. We're not talking about an invasion of privacy or bringing people under the weight of someone else's preferences or legalism. Bible accountability isn't about manipulation like it might be practiced in a cult. The dictionary says accountability means being liable to being called into account. It means answerable and responsible to others. In a Bible sense, accountability is developing relationships with other Christians, which promotes spiritual reality, honesty, and obedience to God. Accountability is part of Christian fellowship that happens through honest evaluations of how we are doing in walking with God, in relationship with others, and in the responsibilities of life. It involves relationships and friendships which help us change for the better, more like Christ, more in line with God and his word. Accountability is for everyone. No one is exempt. This isn't something we just need when we're young Christians. Everyone is in need of accountability. It is a part of the Christian life. It's part of fellowshipping one with another. I believe that many times in our fellowship, be it Sunday school, prayer meetings, prayer families, men's prayer breakfasts, church activities, youth activities, after church fellowship, there is a level of accountability happening, and we're not even really aware of it. It's part of fellowship. Other times, accountability is more special. It's one-on-one between two brothers or two sisters in the Lord who trust each other, who have confidence in each other. And in that accountability relationship, iron sharpeth iron. And I'll just say right here that in life, you will probably only have a very, just a few of those kind of people in your life that you can get together one-on-one and just share your heart. That's not going to be everyone in the church. That's probably going to be just a few people in your life. And I would say if you have two or three people like that in your life, you are very blessed. And so accountability means teaching, challenging, supporting, and encouraging one another in ways that promote spiritual integrity in us as believers. So that is what I mean, or that is what we mean when we talk about accountability. So why do I need it? I have three points that I want to consider this morning. Why do I need it? Why do I need accountability? The first point is because we are prone to wonder. The Bible says we're a lot like strange sheep. Now, I don't know a lot about sheep. I've never owned a sheep. But what I understand is sheep tend to wander. They'll wander off and start eating the wrong thing. They'll wander off and put themselves in danger. Just like sheep, we wander off and we do our own thing. Sometimes it's unintentionally choosing the wrong path. More often it's leaping at disobedience, knowing full well what we are doing. The Bible says in Jeremiah 17, verse nine, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The story is told about a man named Robert Robinson. Robinson lived in the 1700s. He was riding one day on a stagecoach and he sat slumped in the corner of the coach Trying to sleep. In that coach also sat a lady, and after a while she started humming a favorite hymn. Robinson aroused himself, looked her in the eye, and in no uncertain terms told her he did not appreciate her humming. She quietly asked why her humming bothered him. It's not your humming, madam, it's the tune you hummed. And so she asked, Why does that hymn bother you, sir? He responded, Madam, I am the unhappy man who wrote that hymn many years ago, and I would give a thousand worlds if I had them to enjoy the feeling I had then. And that hymn is in our hymn books, number three, 10. Let's look at it. I want to read a verse to you. If you look up there in the top left corner, you'll see the name Robert Robinson. Come thou fount of every blessing. Very familiar song. Verse 3. Ode to grace how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let that grace now like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wonder, Lord I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, O take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Prone to wonder. Prone to leave the God I love. Robinson's words identify the downward pull on our hearts. The urges, the thankings and feelings which entice us to put distance between ourselves and God. Some of those impulses come from out of the flesh. Some from the world's enticement. Some even originate in the dark, demonic realm. We talked about that a bit in Sunday School today. 1 John 2:16. for all that is of the world, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. Whatever it is that is dragging us down, the consequences are the same. We often get neutralized, maybe even emotionally and spiritually paralyzed, and we begin to level off, grow cold, and descend down, down, down in the spiritual life. And so the first point is we need accountability because we are prone to wonder. The second point I have, I need accountability because I'm part of the body of Christ. Now, if I was the body of Christ alone, I would need no accountability. But I am a member. I'm part of the body of Christ. And I'd like to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12, in this passage we will see that we are all part of the same body, the body of Christ, and each member needs needs or belongs to the other. I believe I will read the complete chapter. 1 Corinthians 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I am not of the body it is therefore not of the body and if the ear should say because i am not an eye i am not of the body is it therefore not of the body if the whole body were an eye where would be the hearing if the whole were hearing where would be the smelling but now god has set the members each one of them in the body just as he pleased And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed, there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable on those we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to all that part which lacks it. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed them into churches, in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administration, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret it? But earnestly desire the best gift, and yet I show you a more excellent way. And if you are familiar with 1 Corinthians, you know which chapter comes right behind chapter 12. It's the love chapter, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. But did you see the importance of strong accountability between believers? We had these terms, one body, one spirit, one God, one baptism. Just like the members of our physical body count on each other, the spiritual body is counting on each member. We are first accountable to use our gifts that the spirit distributed to each one individually as he wills. We see that in verse 11. Not for our glory, but for the good and the welfare of the body. Second, we are not only accountable to share our gifts within the body, we are also accountable to receive the gifts that others are bringing to the body. And so why do I need accountability? Because I'm a part of the body of Christ that is made up of many members with many gifts. To survive spiritually, I need the body, I need the gifts of others, and the body needs me. The body needs my gifts. The body needs the accountability that I bring to the body. And so today, if you are a member of the body of Christ, you are needed, your gift is needed, your personality is needed, the body needs you. The body is counting on you. Accountability, I'm learning, is very much two-sided. You know, when I started thinking about this subject of accountability, I thought about I thought of it more as um, myself uh, being accountable to others. And that's certainly a big part of it. But notice the words of God the Lord to Cain in Genesis 4, verse 9. And you can turn there if you want. It's worth marking in your Bible, Genesis 4, verse 9. And remember what I said earlier? You don't have to read very far into the Bible and you start seeing this whole thing of accountability on every page about, it seems. But you know the story. Cain rose up. He killed Abel. And here we got the accountability going on. The Lord said to Cain, Genesis 4:9 Where is Abel your brother? Cain said I do not know and then he says this Am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? Did that question Am I my brother's keeper get Cain off the hook? Did that get him by Of course not, we know it didn't. Cain knew that he was his brother's keeper. The word keeper, as we find it in Genesis here, means to hedge about as with thorns, guard to protect, watch, to be being accountable for. So today, spiritually, where's your brother? Where's your sister? Are you your brother's keeper? Are you your sister's keeper? If God came looking for Joe and said, Dan, where is Joe? Could I say, God, I know he's at the bake shop and I know he's serving you today. I don't have a doubt. Or, I'm like, I don't know, don't really care. Am I to look out for Joe? Are you your brother's keeper? And so I need accountability because I'm part of the body of Christ I need my brother and my brother needs me. The third point, my last point, is accountability keeps keeps me free. Accountability keeps me free. Many of us here today could testify to the freedom that we found in accountability When a person carries a heavy burden alone, be it discouragement or fears, wrong thinking patterns, doubts about God, or playing down sin in general, those burdens often propel us to be alone, to isolate ourselves. And that's not not good, because lone targets are easy targets. Ask any duck or goose hunting guide, and he will tell you that a lone duck is about as good as a dead duck. When we hunt over an eastern shore, the guides like it best when small flocks of ducks or geese work the decoys. Why, because the success rate is so much better. When the big flocks come in, you tend to panic And instead of picking out an individual duck or an individual goose, you just flock shoot. You just empty your gun. The guides know that. In fact, sometimes if the flock is too big, they'll say, don't shoot. Nobody shoot. Just let them work the decoys. Let them get back up and leave. Why? Because they know that instead of killing, you're going to be educating and it's embarrassing when the bigger flocks come in everybody shoots everybody empties their gun and you get all done and you're like what we get I think we might have got two you know (laughs) but you let two or three come in you will usually get all of them and so it is in a spiritual sense lone targets are easy targets for temptation for sin, and for Satan. Modern Christianity says you can make, we can make our own determinations as how to live and which lifestyles, choices to make. But if we take that route, what standards do we employ from? Usually, such choices are made on how we feel, emotions, how other people do it, input from friends and without realizing it we find life and life's choices are pretty much driven by the culture of the day maybe with a bit of a christian twist people who try to make it on their own don't it's pretty much a fact people that try to make it on their own don't there is safety in numbers. Remember that lone duck coming into the blind. He's in trouble. He's going to get it. Jesus said in John 8:32, "And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free." Jesus said Knowing truth, getting a handle on truth, his truth would set us free. Freedom. Is it too strong to say that this freedom comes more often than not in a circle of committed accountability? You know, I said in my first message the foundation for Christian accountability is we are first accountable to God. On that foundation, the message of Christ's truth is proclaimed. Christ's truth proclaimed is what sets men free. But often, we, that sinks in. Often we find that. Not out alone, but when we're surrounded by Christian accountability. The truth of the scripture is the standard for accountability. What does the Bible say about itself? What does the truth say about itself? What does the truth say about the truth? Let's just read some scripture. I didn't hardly know where to start or stop, but turn to Psalm one nineteen, and I just picked out a section uh, of this of this psalm. Psalm one nineteen. Let's start reading at eighty nine and maybe go down to one hundred five, and then we'll look at a few verses about in Timothy, but just thinking about truth, about the Bible, and about the truth of the scripture being the standard for accountability. Psalm 119, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven, verse 90, your faithfulness endures to all generation, you establish the earth and it abides. They continue this day according to your ordinances, for all are your servants. Unless your law had been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. I am yours, save me, for I have sought your precepts. The wicked wait for me to destroy me, but I will consider your testimonies. I have seen the consummation of all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep your precepts. I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. I have departed from your judgments for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Turn over if you would to 2 Timothy 3 and we will read 13 through 16, thinking about the word of God and how the truth of the scripture is the standard for accountability. It's what we have to proclaim to one another. And if accountability isn't built on truth, the results can be disastrous. Second Timothy 3, 13. But evil men and imposers will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and being assured of knowing from you from whom you have learned them. And that from the childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. As we said in the beginning, the objective of accountability isn't that I push other Christians to do things that I like or to do what I think or what I would like to see them do, the heart of Christian accountability is the truth of scripture. Scripture provides us the pattern and principles of life. Our accountability must be shaped and guided by the principles and paths laid out in God's word. The results of that, if we follow that, the results of that is freedom. That will keep us free. And so, just a bit of a recap. Why do I need accountability? Why do I need accountability? I need accountability because I am prone to wonder. I need accountability, second of all, because I'm part of the body of Christ. Third, I need accountability because Christian accountability will keep me free. And so in closing, in this study we have said the foundation of Christian accountability is that we are first accountable to God. We have said the heart of Christian accountability is the truth of scripture. But for Christian accountability to continue and work, there is something that first must happen. We must come to the realization that we are not our own. I'm not my own. We gotta grasp that concept. And I want you to go home and think about that because that's kind of where we're going to start on the, uh, on the third message. Accountability will only work among people who realize I'm not my own. I must no longer live to myself but him who died and rose again for me. We must grasp that concept. And, you know, it kind of goes against our flesh, doesn't it? We're, we're not wired to think that way. At least I'm not. And so I want to leave you with two verses from First Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Which are gods. We'll call for a song.